I have good news today. Who wants to hear the good news? The good news is that I can hear from God. The good news is that you can hear from God. How many of you can say that today in this place? I can hear from God. Say I want to hear you say it. Say, I can hear from God. Amen. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, we can't abandon that faith, that we have the ability to hear from God. It is part of our faith. It is what our faith is constructed of, is being able to hear from God. And you know what the amazing reality is, is the amazing reality is that we can hear from God, that God speaks today, that God speaks to you, that God speaks to me, and God speaks personally, and he speaks directly. And I believe many times we don't hear from him because we don't make the effort to hear from him. And, and I'm going to share a little bit of a personal testimony later, and, but I, I, I used to think that I couldn't hear from God. And as a matter of fact, at the beginning of our marriage, my wife, used, does God, what, what is God saying to you? I'm just, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what he's trying to say to me. Um, but I think what God has to say, and, and, and I hope that all of you agree with me, but, but what God has to say is, is so important to our lives. Amen? And, and it is, I believe that we should make every effort that we can to hear what he has to say. And that's what we will be talking about over the next couple of weeks, our How to Hear from God series. And, and, and let's listen to what the book of John has to say. If you have your notes, if you have your notes, if not, raise your hand and we can get some ushers that will give you these sermon notes. Got a couple right here. But John 10, 1 through 4, Jesus is speaking and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And listen, and take a look at what it says here. It says, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. That is protection. And they follow him because they know his voice. Isn't that a beautiful just picture of, of what our relationship with Jesus should look like? And then later on, Jesus says in verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, Jesus doesn't, he's not saying this is how it should be. He is saying, this is the only way. This is the way it is. My sheep will hear my voice, and, and, and they will recognize my voice, and they will follow me. It is a faith, again, that we must hold on to. And if we abandon the faith that, that God speaks to us or that, that we can hear his voice, we are abandoning the reality of a personal relationship with him. And, and what a sad life that is when we don't have a personal relationship with the one who created us. I ask you this question, what are relationships built on? How do relationships start? They start off with communicating, right? We communicate with one another. It's, uh, hey girl, what's your name? Can I have your number? <laughs> right, or it's, hey, what do you like to do? What are you into? You know, what's your favorite number? That's how our conversation started. What's your favorite number? I'm just kidding. It didn't start that way. But, but our relationships are built on communication. And, and God wants to speak to us. Amen? God is speaking to us. And, and I believe that we should be hearing 
what he is saying. And not only should we be hearing what he is saying, but we should be responding to him by our lives or with our own words back to him. We should be reciprocating that communication. He wants to hear from us as well. And, and, and you know what, many have bought into or, or many have developed these beliefs that, that can block or that can hinder them from hearing the voice of God. There are people who think that God doesn't speak anymore. Can you believe that? There are people who believe that God only speaks to the perfect Christian, and we know there is no such thing as the perfect Christian. And if you do know one, uh, don't let me around them because I don't want to ruin their good streak. Uh, There are people who think that God isn't interested in me. There are people who say that, you know what, I just can't hear him. And there are others who think that you have to have a special gift from God in order to hear from him. But, But hearing God is something that is a reality. It's true. It's real. And it is something that, that, you know what, we must learn, and it is something that doesn't, we just don't learn it once, but we continue to learn through ongoing practice. It's something that we develop through time, through that relationship, through spending, again, time with him, through communicating with him. And you know what, the more time we spend listening to God's voice, you know what happens? the more familiar God's voice becomes in our lives. And it becomes easier for us to really hear what God has to say. I know in, 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 in my early walk with God, there were so many times where like, is that really God speaking or is that just a made up construct that I'm just putting together in my mind? But as you begin to develop that relationship, you begin to understand and know his voice and then you can better follow him. You might say, I, I can't hear God, and, and you know what? That's, that's not God's fault. It, it's not that he's not speaking. It's just that you are out of tune. You know, and I'm going to speak to all of us. I say us, all of us who were born in what they call the 1900s. That's what they call it now, y'all. They call it the night. Oh, you were born in the 1900s. And I'm not too sure how that makes me feel. But I remember, you know, and, and, uh, growing up in the... 90s, you know, you weren't, you weren't a true 80s or 90s baby if you weren't really, if, you, if, your, if your family wasn't rolling around in a station wagon. But I remember we had this station wagon and it had a transistor radio. And you know, if you were on your way to being dropped off at daycare or elementary and your dad wanted to listen to Paul Harvey news, if you're a Houstonian, right? And you had to really dial into those AM stations or else you couldn't hear anything at all, right? It was just a bunch of static. And you had to really tune in to, 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 the, to those dials. You had to make sure those little micro marks that were there that was just right where you needed it to be, right? And, and, and because we have to be tuned in to the right frequency. This is what Proverbs 4.20 says. It says, my son... Give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear. What does incline your ear? What does that mean? It's an inclined ear is one which is stretched out toward or extending toward what God is saying. And that's what this scripture is saying. God is saying, tune in to what I am saying. Amen. He's saying, incline your ears towards me. I am speaking to you and I have something to say to you, and it is something special, and it is something that will change your life. So how do we hear from God? How do we hear from God? Thank you, baby. And over the next two weeks, we're going to cover how we can hear from God, and today we're going to speak about how we hear from God through the Word of God. 
We're going to cover how we hear from God through our conscience, meaning that God has given us a conscience where we should have an understanding between what is right and what is wrong. And then next week, we're going to close it out how, on how we hear from God through the Spirit. And, and, and as a matter of fact, we're going to tune in to what Pastor Jim has to say about how we hear from God through the Word. One of the ways that we hear from God is through His Word, the Word of God. This really is the voice of God. It's God speaking to us. And and just think about how much He loves us. He loves us so much that He gave us this incredible Word, this incredible book that we call the Bible, that is just full of revelation of who He is. He, He wants us to know Him. He wants us to hear his voice and, and make it a part of our life. And, and I, of course, it should go without saying, I, I love the Bible. And I know that you love the word of God also. But, but one of the things we need to understand is, is this, this is not a history book. I, I have history books in my office about uh, different periods of the Bible or books of the Bible. This isn't a history book. And and, and we're making a great mistake if we just approach the Word as a history book or a biography. It, it's, it's not just about God. It, it is God. It is God's Word written because God spoke and moved on men and those men wrote the Word down for me. They, they wrote it down for us and And this is how God speaks to us. And as he's speaking through this word, this is what this word is saying over and over again. It is saying, come and find out who I am. Discover who I am. Discover my ways. And and it's when we really give ourselves to this word that there is a transformation in our life because we're hearing the voice of God. And I know that God speaks in many ways, but, but the main way that he speaks to us today is through his word. It's not just a book. It's, it's something that's very active and it can bring transformation. The writer of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 12. I'm sorry, Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and, a pow- and powerful, alive and powerful, and, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There, there's so much in that scripture. I, I don't really have time to unpack all of it today. Let's just concentrate on that first phrase. It is alive and It is powerful. It is effective. It is active. It is something that brings about change in our life. The the Bible is energetic, and and as we read it, it's not reading and a book that is just sitting still. It is a book that is looking into our heart and is talking to us and changing us and really helping us to hear what God wants us. For our life today, I know that it was written uh, thousands of years ago, and and I know that it was uh, the context of the moment means so much, and we should 
understand the context of the moment. We should understand who the scripture was written to and, and why it was written. But, but what we also need to understand is that even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's alive today and it is teaching us. Paul, as he wrote to Timothy, he says it like this. All scripture is breathed out by God. 1 Timothy 3.16, breathed out by God and is profitable. And listen to everything that it's profitable for. Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In other words, it's speaking to us. It's, it's helping us. And, and, and anytime we pick up this Bible... You need to pick it up with the understanding that God is speaking through his word. Think about that. All scripture is breathed out by God. That, that may be one of the most important sentences in all of the Bible for us to understand and value what this word is. Value this word. I, I, I want to love it. I want to treasure it. I want to understand the incredible gift that I have of hearing the word of God on a daily basis of just opening this and reading through the scripture and discovering who God is. Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah 15 and 16. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight for you. For I bear your name, O Lord, God of heaven's army. I, I love the way that he talks about it. He says he discovered it. When he found the word, when, when he found it, he didn't neglect it. He didn't, he didn't take it for granted. It was something that was precious to him. He said that he ate the word. He devoured it. He, he, it was something that, that got down inside of him. It was food for his soul. It was nourishment for his soul. And and, and he used it to refresh himself and to, to grow and be strong in the Word of God. Because that's what the Word is about. It's about growing. It's about us understanding. And, and then he says, uh, regarding God's Word, it is the joy and it is rejoicing of his heart. I, I want you to think about that for just a few moments. How he delighted in the Word of God and did so from deep down inside of his heart. The, the innermost being is saying, this is a joy to me. I'm, I'm ingesting it. I'm devouring it. I'm eating it. And, and as I do, it just is such a joy to me. I, I'm just afraid that many people, when they read the Bible, they read it just for the information. And the information is important. Don't, don't get me wrong. We have to have the information. We have to have understanding of what the Word of God says and why it's said that way. And it, it's not something that we just take out and build something on our own. We, we have to understand what the Word of God says. But as we're reading for understanding, let's also ingest it. Let's also devour it. Let's also get to the spiritual part of it. Eugene Peterson, who a great author, has said it like this. Spiritual writing, which is what the Word of God is, God breathed. Spiritual writing requires spiritual reading. So when I'm reading the Word of God, I don't need to just read it for the information. While that is important, I need to also read it to feed myself, to, to understand what God is wanting to do. So in your studying and in your memorizing, do those things, but also, also 
just take the word of God into you. Take it deep inside of your heart. When you get it deep inside of you, when you get, get it deep inside of you, it's just like when you eat physical food. When we, when we take in food, our body metabolizes that food. It breaks it down. It uses it for energy. And that's really what Jeremiah is saying here. I'm taking the word and I'm metabolizing it in my life. I, I don't want to just read it. I want the words to result in acts of love. I, I want to read about this and then let it be such a part of my life that what grows out of that is worship for the creator. I, I want to read it and, and let it move my actions. I want to read it and let it be the declaration of my testimony of how good God has been to me. D divine reading is reading the Bible where I don't come to it with my own agenda. I don't come to it trying to prove my own opinions. I don't come to it trying to reinforce what, what I want and what I believe. I, I read it so that there can be a change in my life and that I can hear what God is truly trying to say. So I, I'm asking you, if you really want to hear the voice of God, when you read his word, first of all, Reading should be more about hearing than just getting through the words that you're saying. That's what, remember, it's God breathed. It's God speaking. And it's so easy because reading is such a part of our culture for us to just look at the, the black letters on the white piece of paper and just go through it when, when really this is so much more than just words on a sheet of paper. It is actually the word of God. And, and I pray that when you read, that you would learn to listen, to hear the voice of God in what you're reading. He hear what God is saying. And then I'm not only going to read the word, but I'm going to meditate on the word. Think about how incredible this gift is that God is revealing himself to us. So as I read it, I want to take the time to really meditate on what that means and who God is and what God wants for my life. And, and as I read and then meditate, the, the third thing that I do if I really want to hear from God through the word is I begin praying the word because the word demands a response. This is not just something I can just go through like a, a novel or a history book. It's something that, that is alive and active and it demands a response. So I want to pray about what the word has said to me. And, and then the last thing is I want to live the word out. I, I want to make sure that I read it. I want to make sure that I meditate on it. I want to pray about it. But I can't just hoard it up in my life. I can't be a biblical knowledge hoarder that just has boxes of information in my brain i have to actually live it I, I use the word of god by living my life and so our scripture uh our reading of scripture it has to develop in our life to where it's not just reading the scripture it's actually hearing the voice of god and hearing what god wants to say to us today. I'm praying that you hear God's voice 
through the word of God. Amen. Wasn't that great? So, so first we hear from God through the word of God, through, through the reading of the word, through the meditation on, on, on the word, through, through praying the word. Have you ever just prayed the word before when you felt like, you know, I just want to pray the word. You open up the book of Psalms and you just begin to dig in deep into praying the word. There's just something so beautiful about that. And then lastly, by living the word. And then second, we hear from God through our conscience. And, and we all have a conscience, right? And it's, it's a God-given thing. It's something that we are born with and we were all created with it because we need to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And, and we go way back to Adam and Eve, right? And, and, and I don't think that when they were created, this is just me, they, that they actually had a conscience. And, and I say this because um, they walked with God daily, and they talked with God daily, and they didn't have a need for their conscience because God was there with them. He, he, he walked with them, and he talked with them, and it wasn't until they fell that the conscience was developed, and, and then they partook of that forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they ran, and we see that they hid themselves and God was walking through this garden, and this is what he asks them, and they were clothed. And God says, who told you that you were naked? He asks them that question. Who told you that you were naked? It was their conscience. And somehow with that fall that we are all a part of, because now we are all born into sin, there was an intuitive knowledge of right and wrong, and that is inside every single one of us. And I know the word of God is something that we all have access to now, but yet there are still a lot of people in this world that have maybe never even opened up a Bible or have ever seen one, but yet they are born still with this understanding of the difference between right and wrong. And I would say that this is the most basic way that, that God speaks to us is through our conscience. And, and Paul says that we must work to keep our conscience clear, never disagreeing with the word of God. And as a matter of fact, this is what Paul says in Acts chapter 24 as he is testifying before the king Felix. So now we read verse 15 and 16. And this is Paul speaking. He says, I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul is saying, okay, there's coming a day that I will stand before God and everyone else will be standing before God, both the righteous and the unrighteous. And Paul is saying, it's not just something that I believe as we see in verse 15. He said, this is something that I am hoping for. I actually have hope for that day. That's what I am living for, the day that I will appear before God. Verse 16, Paul says, Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. You see, what Paul is saying here is, I strive to keep a clear conscience always. It's not occasional, it's not an occasional thing, but it's a regular, continual practice. The glorious day of Christ made such an impact on Paul's heart that he was determined to dig down deep and uncover anything that would hurt, that would cause himself damage or damage to those around him. And Paul says in verse 16, I always try to maintain, meaning 
Maintaining is exercising. Maintaining is being actively trained. Maintaining is discipline. I am disciplined to keep a clear conscience. The truth is, y'all, as humans, we are so prone to cut corners, to, to, to cover up the mistakes that we make. You know, even putting out the best versions of ourselves that really just aren't true, right? We, we are always seeking to gain the approval of others. And, and let me tell you something today that is, that is more important than just what others think of you. It's what your conscience is telling you. What is God trying to speak to you through your conscience? Work to keep a clear conscience. And then we see Paul telling Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, Paul says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, so there were some things that were spoken over Timothy's life, and Paul saying, you're called of God, Timothy, and there are some great things going on in your life, but here's something I want to talk to you about. May that prophecy and may that calling of the Lord over your life, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your conscience clear, for some people have deliberately violated their conscience, their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. What a warning for today. Well, what, a, what a warning that is for us today that, that our conscience is something that can be put away. Our conscience is something that we can just override. It is something in us that, that we can easily ignore, amen? And it is something that can be damaged, it can be polluted, it can be seared. And as a matter of fact, I don't have time to go into all of this, but you can go to Romans chapter 1 and read the second, well, you can read all of it, but the second half of Romans chapter 1 speaks about how the conscience becomes seared. And you'll see what happens when you ignore what God is trying to tell you. They violated their conscience, when I put away, when I violate my conscience, my faith can be shipwrecked, is what Paul says. And when he says put away, he means to push it away with force. He's saying, get out of here. I, I, I don't have time for you. And every one of us in this room have had one of those moments where we violate our conscience and, and, and it has made us miserable. We've, we've, we've reaped the consequences of some of the bad decisions we have made. And for some of us, it has made us so miserable and it has made us so guilty. And it's in that moment that we have the choice of either making ourselves right with God or pushing our conscience away even further and saying, you know what? I'll just live life the way that I want to. Don't do that. Don't, don't push it away, but make sure you allow God to heal that in you. Another place we see Paul speaking to Timothy is in chapter four. And he says, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What exactly does that mean? In other words, they have burned their conscience up to the point where it no longer has any feeling. To, to where, you know, I, th I think about, you know, sometimes you can maybe burn the tips of your fingertips and, and, and it, you don't no longer have any feeling and, and their conscience no longer has any sensitivity. I don't know about you, but I want to hear God speak through my conscience. And, and, and how does God speak through 
your conscience. How can God speak to me through my conscience? Well, first we see that it convicts us of sin. It says, you know, don't, don't go there. Don't partake of that. Don't, don't, don't talk about that. I want to be convicted of sin when my conscience says, you know, this is not the path that God has for you. You know, this isn't the direction that God wants to lead you towards. Our conscience speaks to us by knowing what is wrong and what is right. And what a horrible place to be when my conscience is so seared, when it is so damaged that I can no longer distinguish what is right and what is wrong, or when my conscience is so seared and so damaged that, that the guilt and the shame just over, overcomes and overtakes every decision that I make in life. My conscience speaks to me by, by letting our godly conscience guide our actions. And I think all of us at one time or another have either damaged or have seared our conscience. And I want to talk about how we can heal a damaged or seared conscience. And the first way is that we pray for good conscience sensitivity. I'm going to pray that God would keep me sensitive. I'm going to pray that God would allow me to know the difference between right and wrong. That what I'm put in those situations that God would lead me, that the Spirit would lead me, that it would lead me and that I would be sensitive to its leading. The writer of Hebrews says it like this in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. In other words, God help me to develop a conscience to where, I, to where when I see things start to attach themselves to me, when I see things starting to latch on to me, God, that, 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 that I put it off, that I strip it off. I, I don't want any of that. I, I, I don't want that to entangle me in its snare. I'm not going to let sin sit on my shoulder to where it trips me up. No, I, I want to run this race for God. I want to I run this race, God, that you have set before me. We see David in his psalm of, of repentance in Psalm chapter 51, and this was something that he wrote after the adulterous relationship that he had with Bathsheba, and after murdering her husband, he praised this psalm. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do you know what David is doing here? David is asking God to perform a miracle. This is a man who had an affair and, and murdered her husband. And, and, and he's reaching out to God. He is crying out to God to perform this miracle, to create a clean heart, a supernatural work in his heart, something that only God can do. And, and he has completely violated at this point, and he has completely put away his conscience. He pushed it away completely, and, and he's walked out, and he has committed adultery, and he's murdered, and he's saying, God, please just do a supernatural work in me. And he wanted it to be steadfast, meaning that he wanted it to be fixed within him. He wanted it to be settled. He wanted a spirit that thinks only on God. The first thing you can do is start praying those prayers. God, cleanse my spirit. Oh God, create in me a clean heart, Father. God, help me to have a heart that is healed. God, create something new within me. 
And the second thing, and if you can stand at this moment, I'd like to ask the band to come up here. The second thing and the most important of all is this, to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. This is why he came. This is why Jesus came, to shed his blood for us so that we could walk in the way that is right. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In other words, there is a creation that takes place there. The heart that was once black and full of sin is now washed as white white as snow. It's been taken through a complete transformation. Our conscience is now cleansed. And later on, we see in chapter 10, verse 19, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, without the blood, this is, this is where we're at. We're standing on the outside of the holiest of holies where the presence of God dwells. And the scripture says God is a holy God. And sin can't come in before him. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but as the blood covers us, we can enter into that holy place. We can actually be bold to enter into before him. And then verse 20 says, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. Jesus was the veil. That is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. I'd like to invite the prayer team up here. If you can, please. Let it be cleansed today. Let Jesus do a work in your heart today, in your life today. If you have a seared conscience, if you have a polluted conscience, if you have some things in your life that shouldn't be there, I just want to encourage you today to take the first step of repentance. You know, Jesus calls us to live a life of repentance, and that just means living a life of surrender. It's when you say, I don't want to live this this way anymore. It's a moment where you're saying, I want the blood to cover me. I'm going to be honest with you. When I mentioned that I didn't, I used to not think that I could hear from God, but really all that was for me, and this may not apply to all of you in the house today, but, but this is how it was for me. When I used to say that, I, 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 you know what, I don't think I can hear from God. It was really just a cop-out. It was really just an excuse for me to not want to hear from God because I was, at the time, living in sin. I was, I was afraid of what God was going to say to me. And there were some things that I was holding on to that I was not yet ready to let go of. Because I was not ready to make those changes in my life. I'm being honest with you. And, and, and God wants to speak to you today in this place. And God wants to make those changes in your life. I, I go back to... to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. And then in Hebrews 4.12, it says, it is alive and it is powerful. And then my mind, God revealed to me in my mind, Adam and Eve in the garden, when he created Adam from the dust of the earth, he didn't have any life in him until God breathed in him. What I want to tell you today is that wherever God breathes and wherever God speaks, there is life. And he wants to speak to you today. 
and I feel just a strong conviction in my heart right now for a time of repentance. And so our prayer team is ready. They are ready to pray with you. And I believe that we need to start by repenting. God, I'm sorry, Lord, that I've allowed my mind and my heart to be cluttered by all this mess. I want to hear from you today in this house. So as a matter of fact, I'm going to be one of the first ones down there. And I would hope that you would join me. Because God is calling us to repentance today. He wants to speak to us. He has a wonderful life for you. He has everything set ahead of you. And as the worship team leads us in this time of another time of worship, I would just encourage you to come up for prayer. Amen.